Support for this podcast comes from the Neubauer Family Foundation, supporting WHYY's fresh air and its commitment to sharing ideas and encouraging meaningful conversation. This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. In his article, The Arizona Republican Party's Anti-Democracy Experiment, my guest Robert Draper writes that Arizona first turned against the establishment. Now it set its sights on democracy, the principles, the process, and even the word itself. He's been following Arizona state politics for the past year and watched as election deniers and conspiracy theorists beat their opponents in key Republican primary races, including Secretary of State, the position that oversees elections. Draper has been covering conservative politics for about 20 years and is the author of the books To Start a War, How the Bush Administration Took America into Iraq, When the Tea Party Came to Town, and Dead Certain, the Presidency of George W. Bush. His next book, Weapons of Mass Delusion, When the Republican Party Lost Its Mind, will be published in October. His new article about the Arizona Republican Party's swing to the far right is published in the New York Times Magazine and is already on the Times website. We recorded our interview yesterday. Robert Draper, welcome back to Fresh Air. Thanks for having me on, Terry. Why did you decide to make Arizona your focus when looking at how the Republican Party has been swinging to the right? Well, for a couple of reasons. Um, Arizona was the first state to be called by um, uh, by Fox News as a swing state uh, against Trump. And uh, there was a lot of outrage that ensued in that state. Uh, the first st- so-called Stop the Steal protests were waged within Arizona. So I was interested for that reason. But then secondly, while spending time in Arizona, I began to learn about the Arizona conservative grassroots and how they had effectively taken over the party that had once been dominated by John McCain. So it, it was with that in mind that I I began to spend uh, additional time for the New York Times magazine there. And, and what I learned was that uh, that the good news, I suppose, was that the grassroots had taken control um, and that the bad news was that the grassroots had taken control because of the sentiments um, that so many in the far right uh, um, uh, in the Arizona Republican Party maintain. Did most of the primary winners this month support overturning the election? Uniformly, they did. And in fact, um, anyone who did not was defeated. Uh, It's not simply that they said, yes, the election was stolen. They made it um, um, central to their campaign platform. Of course, Exhibit A on that is the Republican gubernatorial nominee, Carrie Lake, um, who has spoken incessantly about how the election was stolen, has talked about how um, they need to find the perpetrators who did this and frog, uh, frog march them off to jail. Uh, the uh, other prob- uh, primary individual who has spoken about this, who also prevailed on the August the 2nd primary in Arizona, was Mark Fincham, uh, the nominee for Secretary of State, who not only has maintained that the election was stolen and actually showed up to the Capitol and was filming the rioters on January the 6th, but who has pledged that in his capacity as Secretary of State, if he's elected, that he will do everything he can uh, to revisit those election results uh, and um, and do away with anything that he believed may have contributed to fraud, such as um, early voting and drop boxes and the like. Yeah, and Secretary of State oversees the election, so he'd have a lot of power when it comes to the next election, if he wins Secretary of State. Um, He had a pretty active role in the attempt to overturn the election results in Arizona, and 
He was part of the scheme to have a fake slate of electors. Tell us about his role. Well, what Fincham principally did, or what he's especially known for, is that after the early post-election lawsuits in Arizona failed, and there were three or four of them, then Fincham, insistent that there was fraud, um, uh, took out his American Express card, called up the downtown Hyatt in Phoenix, and rented a large ballroom for $5,000, where he and Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani, on November the 30th, staged this so-called presentation of witnesses, of people who were coming coming forward saying that I saw this act of fraud occur, that act of fraud. It was taking place as a kind of counter-programming because just down the street, as it were, uh, in Phoenix, uh, the uh, electors were being certified in Phoenix. So it was a kind of fruitless proposition, um, but it was meant uh, to basically showcase uh, this supposed fraud that, in fact, has never been proven. And in a lot of ways, it set the stage for what became this state Senate audit in Arizona uh, because it amassed all of this uh, so-called evidence and was sort of left there on the table uh, and continued to whet the appetite of people uh, in the Arizona conservative community for some kind of uh, reevaluation of the election. So Fincham um, was a nonstop participant in, in this. And, and it's because of that that he, you know, a little known state representative otherwise, uh, gained the enthusiastic endorsement of Donald Trump uh, to run for secretary of state. Trump called him a warrior. Trump said, you know, he's 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 known the truth. Mark has and has stayed on top of it. And uh, I, I should say about Fincham that um, uh, his fantastical notions about um, the election are very much in keeping with other conspiratorial notions that he has had relating to mask mandates. And, and he's also a, a, an avowed member of the Oath Keepers. And so to have someone like him in so prominent a position uh, is a rather notable phenomenon. That he's even um, a candidate at all, much less the nominee, is a notable phenomenon. Yeah, and the Oath Keepers, that's a militia group, and its leader, Stuart Rhodes, is, is one of the people who have been indicted for uh, conspiracy. That's right. The Oath Keepers are a paramilitary group composed of, of um, mainly of former law enforcement officers, uh, continually heav- uh, heavily armed. A number of them showed up at uh, the Capitol, and they have been charged with the most serious of offenses connected to January the 6th, relating to sedition, meaning an, you know, an organized attempt to overthrow the government. And Fincham far from Fincham at any point uh, condemning the acts of Stuart Rhodes and other fellow Oath Keepers. He instead said, this is what happens when you upset people and when you steal the election from them. In essence, he was basically saying that these people were doing their patriotic duty and, and has in no way distanced himself from the violent activities that took place on January the 6th. So a couple of weeks after Fincham and Rudy Giuliani did their presentation uh, about how the election was uh, fraudulent and Trump really won. Two weeks after that, he became one of the, um, can I say one of the official false electors? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so describe what happened. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's what happened was that in um, the middle of December, uh, after all of the election um, suits had failed, uh, a group of people headed by the Uh, state Republican Party chair uh, Kelly Ward essentially appointed themselves electors and filmed themselves signing um, uh, uh, signing ballots, basically saying uh, 
Biden did not win the state. Trump won this state. And um, this was part of an organized effort uh, that was taking place in a number of swing states. But once again, uh, people like uh, Kelly Ward, Mark Fincham, and others who continue to play prominent roles in the Arizona Republican Party were in the dead center of it. And there's somebody else who won the primary this month in Arizona, and that's Jake Hoffman. He's on the Arizona State Legislature. He was also one of the fake electors, and now he's vice chair of the State House Committee on Government and Elections, and he won the primary for state Senate. So tell us about him and his role in his attempt to overturn the election. Well, so Jake Hoffman presents an unusual case because he was involved in in multiple ways in um, uh, efforts to overturn the election, but even more broadly, uh, to churn out disinformation. Um, he uh, he was, as you were referencing, Terry, one of the people who was in the room with Kelly Ward and others uh, signing these phony um, electoral slates, essentially saying that they were the true electors, uh, entirely self-appointed. Um, but it's also the case that a couple of years before then, in 2018, Hoffman was, as he still is, the head of uh, an organization called Rally Forge, which is a Republican um, uh, media organization. And they were tasked by Charlie Kirk, who is the head of the Phoenix-based uh, conservative youth activist group Turning Points USA, uh, to develop what is essentially a troll farm, uh, to send out um, misinformation and disinformation uh, to uh, try to um, dissuade Democrats from voting as Democrats and to consider voting for uh, Green Party candidates instead uh, so as to um, so as to diminish the Democratic pro- uh, Party's prospects in 2018. They used, um, in some cases, teenagers in this troll farm. And uh, so uh, Hoffman also, uh, during that election cycle and then in subsequent election in, in 2020, um, said so many untruthful things that ultimately his his Twitter Twitter account was banned. Uh, again, far from this having any political political repercussions, uh, it has just made him another warrior uh, in the far right. And as you mentioned, Terry, uh, as a state representative, he became the vice chair of the elections committee, um, and now has won a primary uh, to be state senate, and is all, in all likelihood will become a state senator. And you mentioned his disinformation campaigns. Apparently, Russian trolls. Uh, from the Internet Research Agency, um, retweeted a lot, a lot of the uh, social media that he put out. That's correct. The, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence did a study of, of Russia uh, and disinformation, and, and a curious entry in that is Charlie Kirk's um, Arizona-based turning, turning Points USA and how the IRA, as you mentioned, um, seized upon uh, a number of the uh, memes that were put out by Turning Points and Rally Forge and amplified those, uh, the IRA did, um, uh, believing that it would, you know, in its sort of furtherance of um, anti-democratic goals. And so, uh, uh, presumably unwittingly, Hoffman and Kirk and their respective organizations became a cog in the wheel for Russia-based disinformation. Sure. So uh, of all the people who won in the Arizona Republican primary, um, they uh, you said they all believe that uh, the election was really uh, fraudulent and that Trump should have been reinstalled as president. What are some of the other beliefs that they share? They, sh- they share a 
an aversion, to say the least, um, uh, towards um, uh, mask mandates, towards vaccines, a, a suspicion bordering on paranoia and accusatory um, uh, rhetoric relating to uh, the vaccines themselves and whether they're doing more harm than good. They believe as well that critical race theory has invaded our classrooms, that um, uh, that there is a kind of gender ideology such that our children are at risk of being essentially encouraged by the left to change their gender on a whim. Uh, they believe that in the classrooms uh, um, uh, our children are being taught to, as Charlie Kirk put it to hate America and hate themselves. And, uh, and, and so th- they essentially believe that the left um, has overtaken uh, our society. And, and you know, what, what I came to realize in, in going to a lot of their campaign events and listening to people talk about them and listen to the questions that were being asked is that uh, they feel that ever since their demo- or the 2020 election, in their view, was stolen um, from them, again, um, a, a view that is not supported by any evidence, um, that democracy essentially has been weaponized against um, uh, so-called regular Americans and that democracy is now uh, an evil thing. And uh, and so the, the rhetoric that I heard Carrie Lake, for example, employ uh, about godlessness, the godless left, and, and, and how we need um, God, guns, and glory uh, is really reflective of um, a different era. Specifically, the 1950s and and uh, uh, during the so-called Red Scare, uh, uh, featuring uh, Wisconsin U.S. Senator Joe McCarthy, whose name I actually heard invoked not once but twice at one event in Prescott, Arizona, where uh, uh, one of the speakers, an oath keeper um, uh, and a grassroots activist, said that Joe McCarthy not only had it right, he understated the matter. And another individual said to me that um, uh, she wished that Joe McCarthy were president today. And uh, I don't know that Carrie Lake knows much of anything about McCarthy, uh, but she and others in this rather extreme uh, slate of conservatives who were uh, who were moved on to the general election after the August 2nd primary essentially are espousing a sort of dark and paranoid and anti-democratic worldview that was promulgated by the Wisconsin senator throughout the 1950s. Yeah, I mean, Joe McCarthy was the most famous of all of the, you know, communist hunters during the communist witch hunts. And, and he would smear people who he alleged were communists. They'd be blacklisted. They'd lose their career. They'd lose their income. Um, they'd become outcasts in some circles. And, you know, a lot of people's lives were, were ruined right. uh, because yeah, that's of right. that. To, so to think that, oh, yeah, he should really be the president now, which is what one of his one of the people you spoke to said, is just really shocking to me. But the other thing I really don't understand is, you know, communism in America doesn't seem to me like a particularly real threat. Who supports communism in America? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to me, a rather dispiriting phenomenon that I had not expected to encounter until I started spending all this time in Arizona was to go to these grassroots events and to hear individuals, sometimes candidates, sometimes uh, precinct committee members who constitute the sort of activist base of the Republican Party in Arizona, proactively just say, you know, um, we're not a democracy. I don't know why people are saying we're a democracy. We're we're a constitutional republic. Quit saying we're a democracy. And and at first I thought, okay, maybe this is some kind of snarky um, 
point of scholarship they're trying to win. But I began to realize, no, that's not it at all. They actually have come to view democracy as a sort of offending object, that, that democracy is a bad thing. And I began then to ask um, some of these activists about it. And one of them said to me, well, to me, democracy means that um, if you get one vote more than 50 percent, then you get to have everything. You get to you get to come and take my property, uh, property in this case being a proxy also for you get to change my way of life. You get to you know change the school curriculum. You get to tell my my child what gender they happen to be. Now, how that has come to be equated with communism is unclear to me. But it is also true that along with these um, uh, assaults, verbally speaking at least, um, but legislatively as well, on democracy, um, uh, the word communist has been bandied about in ways I hadn't heard you know, uh, since, you know, the 1970s, I suppose. And it's and where, uh, again, Carrie Lake and Blake Masters, the U.S. Senate candidate, Mark Fenchin and 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 others on the Arizona slate really up and down the ballot um, frequently refer to uh, their enemies as communists. Um, communist is now um, the word that is most galvanizing and most attention getting. So like a really uh, ironic thing about this fight against communism that the far right is doing now is that a communist country, Russia, has been retweeting um, social media from the far right. So they're in their own way almost aligned with Putin. Um, so it's don't you think it's strange that they're the ones who are, you know, decrying communist infiltration of our country? Yes. Yeah. No. That's it's it's certainly paradoxical. It's also paradoxical that um, this you know very rock ribbed uh, conservative um, uh, Republican Party in the state of Arizona uh, is so prone to Russia disinformation. And I had that said to me over and over by a number of longtime Republican operatives who said, you know, that I think that that uh, um, that Arizona is in the top seven, eight, or nine uh, when it comes to um, the number of um, uh, the, the percentage of its population that is senior, that's senior citizen. They have a lot of retirees that live in Arizona. Those are people who have a lot of time on their hands, and so a lot of them sit on the Internet, they're on Facebook, and they're reading a lot of things. And, and amongst conservatives who have come to reject the so-called mainstream media, um, they're very, very prone to information that confirms their biases, um, and they don't exactly fact-check this information. So much of it has, in fact, come from, or at least been amplified by Russia-based social media, according to these Republicans that I've spoken to. And, uh, and you know, it's also very enemy of my enemy. I mean, I think that, that, um, uh, that Trump has been uh, accused uh, had so many associations uh, with Russia, he and his his campaign operation, and thus was accused of of somehow um, uh, you know being inter- being intertwined in a very unseemly way with Russia. That um, uh, that the left has, uh, in the eyes of conservatives, has launched that argument means that maybe there's something not so bad about Russia. Uh, means that that Russia is being smeared the way that Trump is being smeared. So. It's all quite convoluted, and and to have the word communist used as the ultimate put down uh, when essentially the um, the the one great promoter of of uh, of that ideology, uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, uh, is is very much shaping their minds, or at least you know that um, uh, putting out uh, disinformation that can shape their minds. Yeah, it's it's all a very very paradoxical situation to be sure. 
Let's take another break here. If you're just joining us, my guest is Robert Draper, and his new article in the New York Times Magazine is titled The Arizona Republican Party's Anti-Democracy Experiment. We'll be right back after a short break. I'm Terry Gross, and this is Fresh Air. This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. Let's get back to the interview I recorded yesterday with Robert Draper. His article, The Arizona Republican Party's Anti-Democracy Experiment, about how Arizona state politics have moved to the far right in the Republican Party, that's published in the New York Times Magazine and is already on the New York Times website. Draper's next book will be titled Weapons of Mass Delusion, When the Republican Party Lost Its Mind. That will be published in October. Robert, Arizona is a swing state, and um, that makes what happens in Arizona super important. But there's, like, swings in two directions at the same time in Arizona. You've got the Republican Party moving to the far right. At the same time, you have a lot of people from California moving to Arizona, and you have two Democratic U.S. senators from Arizona. So can you talk about those simultaneously opposite directions? Sure. I mean, Arizona, as, as you mentioned, Terry, is a, um, is a state that because of its low taxes, because it's, you know, sunny, <laughs> to say the least, uh, has attracted a lot of um, out-of-state visitors. And in particular, they are moving to uh, Maricopa County, the, the mega county uh, that includes Phoenix, and really where I think something like 60 percent of um, Arizona's uh, overall electorate is. Uh, these people have brought with them um, uh, you know, their own values, and some of them uh, come because they are very much in step with, say, Arizona's Republican Party values, but others are not. And, and the actual phrase Californication is uh, used on websites and, and, uh, and other Arizona conservative memes to express the sort of existential anxiety that a lot of Arizona conservatives feel about um, their values being taken over, being subsumed into California values. So there's a lot of tension there, but the reality remains that Arizona, as you mentioned, in 2020 became a bona fide swing state. It swung over to um, uh, to Joe Biden, albeit uh, by not many votes at all, about 11,000 votes. And um, uh, and that was in large part because uh, the suburban voters in the rings, suburban areas around Phoenix uh, were turned off by Trump. And uh, and so in the face of that reality, in the face of the fact that, as you again mentioned, um, uh, the state of Arizona has two Democratic senators, has a razor thin um, Republican majority in both uh, the state House and in the state Senate. You would think that, that given all of that, um, the Republican Party would descend into meditation and figure, you know, wow, we've got to do something to get those voters back. Well, everything we've been talking about is, in fact, an indication of how they've repudiated that notion and have thought, no, um, far from us to far from any you know, desire to moderate. We're going to purge those people who would even think about moderating, who, who, who to us are moderates. That would include our sitting governor, Doug Ducey, uh, who was, in fact, censured. Uh, that would include the Speaker of the House, Rusty Bowers, who, uh, along with Ducey, refused to go along with this notion that 2020 had been stolen. He, too, was censured. He also was beaten in the primary, really thrashed by a far-right opponent. And, um, and for that matter, they have censured the wife, Cindy McCain, the wife of John McCain, uh, 
who was this icon in Arizona Republican uh, politics. So, um, so despite these demographic changes that are taking place, or perhaps because of them, perhaps in digging in their heels, um, the Republican Party has moved farther right, even as the state itself has become, as one of its uh, local pollsters, Mike Noble, calls it magenta, the lightest shade of red. So do you think that's likely to hurt the Republicans' chances in Arizona in the state elections? We will see. I mean, that is that is the million-dollar question this November uh, because the headwinds facing uh, the Democrats are considerable. Uh, Mar- Mark Kelly, uh, the U.S. senator, is up for re-election, and he is certainly vulnerable, or at least you know one would expect that he would be vulnerable. But now uh, he'll be running against a guy named Blake Masters, who was a uh, a protege of the venture capitalist Peter Thiel, uh, who is a 2020 election denier, whose campaign signs that I saw um, uh, festooning the highways of uh, of Arizona said things like. Uh, Blake Masters, as U.S. Senator, will prosecute Fauci. Blake Masters, as U.S. Senator, won't ask for your pronouns. And uh, and so whether that kind of culture war rhetoric uh, is going to deny the Republicans a real opportunity to pick up a seat uh, remains to be seen. It's also the case we were talking about Carrie Lake earlier. And, and uh, I mean, uh, uh, Lake is a formidable presence because she's been a member of the media for a long time. She was a local Fox host for uh, for several years in the Phoenix area, uh, very poised and can really hold the audience. But her rhetoric regarding, um, I mean, it's very, very, uh, um, it's very party of retribution, lots of, you know, swaggering gun talk, and we're not going to let them California, you know, the the California scum are not going to take over our party. Whether that's going to play um, uh, remains to be seen. If it does not, then the hope uh, among Arizona establishment Republicans that I talked to, uh, their hope is that they will then be able to say, okay, is have have you learned now? You know, have you learned that Trumpism, that MAGAism, that going all the way to the right and embracing crazy conspiracy theories is not going to work because we should have won these elections and instead you handed it to them with your hot-blooded rhetoric. What's your understanding of how the far right came to take over the Republican Party in Arizona? Was it, was it a part of a larger Republican strategy that was well-funded by the RNC? Or was it like more of an internal movement in Arizona, partly from the actual grassroots? Well, so the, <clears throat> there was some funding done by right-wing organizations that were homegrown that, that reside in Arizona. But a lot of it, Terry, was also complacency on the part of the establishment. And, and uh, they had uh, been asleep at the switch. It was described to me. And, and the people who control uh, uh, politics at the very base, the so-called precinct committee men and women, um, uh, those those positions were just kind of occupied by status quo people. But then uh, over time, uh, far right people began to to run for those positions and they began to take them and then they began to espouse um, uh, certain things that were incorporated in the party platform. And then ultimately in the beginning of 2019, um, uh, uh, Kelly Ward um, became this um, uh, this you know, grassroots maverick who – uh, launched some probable campaign after having lost twice in U.S. Senate candidacies, um, first 
against uh, McCain in 2016 and then in 2018 against Martha McSally uh, and um, the grassroots supported her and she took over the party. And the moment that that happened, uh, the party was all in with Donald Trump. She visited Mar-a-Lago. She made sure that that, um, Trump was aware of uh, her and the Arizona Party's loyalties to um, to Trump, uh, she changed the name of um, from the Arizona Republican Party to the Republican Party of Arizona, a, a rather subtle distinction, but one basically intended to say to the establishment, "It's not your party anymore." And uh, and and so now the party very much reflects her and the grassroots activists who have come to take it over, and, and uh, they have. Um, they have written, you know, and, and passed recently something that essentially um, invalidates the 2020 election or says that we do not recognize its results. So, it's really as radical right as um, as any state party can be um, in America, and it would be, in its own curious way, and a, a kind of cool expression of democracy because it is very grassroots. This did not come from a country club. It did not come from a smoke filled room. But for the uh, the actual positions that they take and the actual philosophies that they espouse, which are fundamentally anti-democratic. Let's take another break here. If you're just joining us, my guest is Robert Draper. He's been covering conservative politics for about 20 years. His new article in the New York Times magazine is titled The Arizona Republican Party's Anti-Democracy Experiment. We'll be right back. This is Fresh Air. This message comes from NPR sponsor Smartwool. Don't sweat the incline. From the trailhead to the summit, enjoy every single step with Smartwool's powerfully durable hike socks. Made with naturally performing merino wool for the perfect fit and cloud-like comfort. Enjoy 15% off your first purchase when you sign up for Smartwool's mailing list. What are you waiting for? Get out there with Smartwool socks and take every hike to new heights. This is Fresh Air. Let's get back to my interview with Robert Draper. His new article in the New York Times Magazine is titled The Arizona Republican Party's Anti-Democracy Experiment. It's about the Republican Party in Arizona and how it swung far to the right. And of course, Arizona is a swing state. Draper's next book is Weapons of Mass Delusion, When the Republican Party Lost Its Mind, and that will be published in October. I want to get back to... um, Carrie Lake, who won the primary for governor in Arizona this month. And she's, she's a really interesting case in the sense that she was on the Phoenix Fox affiliate for over 20 years. So she was, you know, well-known figure. Um, and when Obama was running in 2008, she supported him. Um, so, but now she's saying that Fauci should be arrested for COVID-related offenses. She's advocated putting cameras in classrooms so parents can know what kids are being taught so they can object if they want to. Um, in June, she said they kicked God out of schools and welcomed the drag queens. They took down our flag and replaced it with a rainbow. They seek to disarm Americans and militarize our enemies. Let's bring back the basics, God's guns and glory. So she won the Republican gubernatorial primary in Arizona. How did she move from supporting Obama in 2008 to being so far on the right now? Right. Well, more broadly, I mean, she was a, you know, she was a person who 
sort of espoused a, a, a liberal ideology when she was on uh, on Fox, at least for several years. So you mentioned the the phrase of like they um, they kicked God out of the schools and brought in the drag queens. Well, when she said that, this this in turn um, elicited a protest um, from an old friend of hers uh, who was a, a drag performance artist in in the Phoenix area and who, uh, according to this individual. Um, not only had spent a great deal of time and been photographed with Carrie Lake back in the day, but who also was at Carrie Lake's house performing in the presence of Carrie Lake's children, something that Lake denies occurred. Uh, but she was, as you mentioned, um, a donor to Barack Obama's campaign. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't consider any of this uh, worth noting, but for the fact that Carrie Lake in 2021 says that she, like, left the media because she um, was so upset by the bias of the media. And, and now here she was, someone who was actually donating to a presidential campaign in 2008. By 2019, she had made an about face. In 2021, she left and launched this campaign. And, and uh, uh, she uh, earned Trump's endorsement, I think, a few hours after she, Carrie Lake, posted on Twitter uh, her belief that Trump's likeness should be carved into Mount Rushmore. And um, I saw her at a Trump rally in January of this year in which uh, she proclaimed to the crowd with Trump standing next to her that if the founding fathers were alive today, they would all be Trump Republicans. The George Washington would be a Trump Republican. And so um, uh, she says all in uh, 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 with Trump as there ever has been. And yet her rhetoric, I think, is far to the right of anything we even heard from Trump when it comes to things like having cameras in classrooms to to monitor uh, the, the doings of teachers, essentially viewing them as criminals and or potential criminals. And it's that kind of sort of, you know, um, again, anti-democratic sentiment that she espouses where we live in a godless environment and need to put God back in schools and need to look at anyone who objects to that notion as um, uh, a member of the enemy within, which is actually a phrase that she has used, but it was a phrase that was popularized in the 1950s by Joe McCarthy. In a speech on the eve of the primary, she said, this is a battle between freedom and tyranny, between authoritarianism and liberty. That, yeah. could, be, that could have been in the speech of any Democrat. Yeah, yeah. No, they mean right. different it, things. They do mean different things. And then, but then she added something else that, that Democrats tend not to say um, for whatever else the yes, flaws that Democrats yes. have, which is between good and evil. Exactly. And this, is, and, and this is a rather animating feature of the Republican Party now. And it, it's, it's that, um, that the left, the Democratic Party, the left is not so much you know, um, uh, um, foolish, uh, wrongheaded – uh, insincere, hypocritical, whatever. It's that they're incorrigible. It's that they're evil. And uh, Charlie Kirk of Turning Points USA, I heard him say this, that uh, you can't compromise with these people. You must defeat them because what they want to do is um, uh, take your eight-year-old child and change his or her gender. And when when you're confronted with that kind of evil, the only thing you can do is defeat them. So to to view a, an entire party in such a sort of dehumanized and demonized way is has become part and parcel of the far right in the Republican Party. Again, notable that you're hearing it that speech from the gubernatorial nominee for the state of Arizona. I mean, that was that is what Lake said uh, on the eve of her primary night, of her primary win. And uh, and to hear language so stark in peacetime is a really, really notable phenomenon. Let's talk about Wendy Rogers, who um, won the primary for state senator. 
And you describe her as perhaps the most notorious Arizona Republican who was on the primary ballot. What made her notorious? Rogers spoke at the white nationalist group, um, uh, America First PAC, AFPAC, headed by Nicholas Fuentes uh, this past February. And in her speech, she indicated that um, that people who are unpatriotic, people who she deemed to be enemies of America, that, that gallows, new gallows needed to be built for them and that they needed to be executed in public. And uh, that was among the most inflammatory uh, inflammatory things she had said, but but far from the only one. And it caused her own colleagues in the state Senate to, to decide that she had gone too far and, and to censure her. Still in all, um, she defeated in the August the 2nd primary another ultra-conservative and election denier, Kelly Townsend, uh, who, no moderate herself, had said that um, uh, she um, – uh, uh, was convinced that there would be people to try who would try to steal the 2022 election and that she was exhorting people to monitor anyone who looks suspicious to follow them to their cars. She warned that uh, uh, that people would be taking down their their license plates. And uh, so that Wendy Rogers, um, that <laughs> getting to the right of Wendy Rogers proved to be um, impossible for Kelly Townsend. Um, but but Rogers, though she would appear to be a total outlier, really isn't in the sense, first of all, that that she is a favorite of Donald Trump. And and whenever Trump comes to Arizona, he mentions Wendy Rogers. Um, And uh, and that secondly, I mean, what she is essentially employing is just the most um, hot blooded. This one goes to 11 uh, kind of rhetoric that still is basically the um, the staple rhetoric, rhetoric now of um, of Arizona. She circulated a petition that uh, that legislators from I believe twenty five or twenty seven states have signed, um, uh, all saying that they will do audits of the twenty twenty election with the intent of invalidating the election. So though it may, so though her rhetoric itself may be extreme, her acts have been embraced um, in Arizona and beyond in right-wing circles. Let me reintroduce you again. If you're just joining us, my guest is Robert Draper and his article, The Arizona Republican Party's Anti-Democracy Experiment, is published in the New York Times Magazine. The article is already on the website. We'll be right back. This is Fresh Air. This is Fresh Air. Let's get back to my interview with Robert Draper, his article, The Arizona Republican Party's Anti-Democracy Experiment, about the party's move to the far right in Arizona, is published in the New York Times Magazine and is on the website. So when we look ahead to November, Kelly Ward is now the chair of the Republican Party in Arizona, and she's an election denier. Mark Fincham is the Republican candidate for Secretary of State, which oversees the election. If he won, and if she remains the head of the Republican Party in Arizona, what what are the possible ways that could shape the way the election is conducted and w- what the outcome is? Sure. It's, so the Secretary, the current Secretary of State, a Democrat, Katie Hobbs, you know, told us that there is no statutory ability of the Secretary of State to somehow change the outcome, to invalidate the results. And that may be so, strictly speaking, legislatively speaking. But I do think that if you imagine a scenario in November where, um, for example, the gubernatorial nominee, Carrie Lake, loses um, 
and let's say loses a close race uh, to um, to Katie Hobbs, it's hard to imagine that she won't cry fraud. I mean, she was crying fraud basically on primary night anyway, just because votes were coming in late. And the votes that were coming in late were votes for Carrie Lake. But but she still um, was uh, so upset by the process that she said, that, you know, what the hell is going on here? And, and uh, so um, at least in terms of undermining, I mean, it, it, at, at absolute least, and this is no small thing, um, the ability to undermine the faith of um, Arizonans in the electoral system and the democratic process is um, is a legitimate concern that uh, that Fincham, Lake, and others uh, can really, really instill in people that that uh, you know what's happening here is not on the up and up. As Fincham said to me uh, on primary night, I, I cornered him. And it was when one of the counties, Pinal County, uh, had they had failed to print out enough ballots. And so uh, people were turned away and told to come back later when the ballots were coming or they were saying that they, they could vote through an app. And, um, and you know, this was – it was a screw-up by Pinal County, no question about it. Uh, but it's an overwhelmingly Republican county with Republican um, officials. And, uh, and there was no reason to believe this was anything other than just, you know uh, – uh, incompetence, uh, but that's not what Fincham said. Fincham said to me, "Everything is suspect at this point," and and so we we can kind of take that phrase of his and place it, you know, uh, as a sort of Damocles hanging over this November election. If if Republicans don't win, um, uh, they almost certainly will not say, as Liz Cheney said um, on the night of her primary, um, "I concede," you know, "I lost." Uh, the other person got more votes, and I congratulate them. Uh, that almost certainly will not be the case, and, and Republicans there have been acculturated to the notion that if they lose, um, fraud can only be the reason why. We talked earlier about how the Republican establishment lost power in Arizona and the far right of the party basically took over. And I'm wondering if you think that the Republican Party created the far right and its power in the sense that it used scare tactics, it used fear of gay people and of immigration, of changing demographics to rally the base and bring out the vote. But that base became more and more extreme, and you could argue it became more extreme through all the fear that was being fed to them. So do you think that the party is partially responsible for its own loss of power, you know, the establishment for its own loss of power in Arizona? Without question. And I would also say that that in in that sense, Terry, Arizona operates as a microcosm of the National Republican Party uh, and and its relationship with Donald Trump. The the notion that Trump hijacked the party um, is a you know kind of metaphorical construct that presupposes that the party had nothing whatsoever to do with with Trump and and uh, is the perfect victim and and that's not the case. I mean, there uh, uh, the rhetoric and the behavior of the Republican Party had essentially ceded the ground for Donald Trump uh, well in advance of his arrival. And I would say that that just as you're pointing out, that's the case with Arizona as well. Um, the uh, it was not um, it was not Wendy Rogers. It was not Kelly Ward. It was not Carrie Lake. Uh, who suddenly decided that the Republican Party uh, should be anti-immigrant. It was, you know, Senate Bill 1070 passed during uh, um, 
Governor Jan Brewer's administration that essentially allowed uh, you know the the monitoring uh, on the streets of of of, um, of Latinos you know and and stopping them uh, really without cause. Uh, there have been other voting restrictions that have been put in place um, both you know before 2020 certainly after it, but. Uh, uh, the, so so yeah the the atmosphere you know um was not something that just you know was created in whole cloth in an election cycle or two uh, so when um the frankenstein's monster uh you know destroyed dr frankenstein uh dr frankenstein does bear some culpability and that's certainly the case not only in the arizona party but i think writ large in in uh, the national party Robert Draper, thank you so much for your reporting and for this interview. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Terry. Robert Draper's article, The Arizona Republican Party's Anti-Democracy Experiment, is in the New York Times Magazine. He has a new book that will be published in October called Weapons of Mass Delusion, When the Republican Party Lost Its Mind. If you'd like to catch up on fresh air interviews you missed, like this week's interviews with Congressman Adam Schiff, or Robin Thede, the creator and one of the stars of a black lady sketch show, or Beth Macy, author of Dope Sick and a new book about the work of citizens who've made it their business to help those struggling with addiction, check out our podcast. You'll find lots of fresh air interviews. And if you want to read what our producers have to say, check out our newsletter, which you can subscribe to via our website, freshair.npr.org. Fresh Air's executive producer is Danny Miller. Our technical director and engineer is Audrey Bentham. Our interviews and reviews are produced and edited by Amy Sallett, Phyllis Myers, Roberta Shurrock, Sam Brigger, Lauren Krenzel, Heidi Simon, Teresa Madden, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Seth Kelly, and Susan Yakundi. Our digital media producer is Molly C.V. Nesper. Thea Chaloner directed today's show. I'm Terry Gross.